With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is our weekend of show. Neil Atkinson with Joel Sanderson, Murray, Mo Stewart and Mel Reddy to talk about Liverpool versus Napoli first and foremost and the Reds progressing through to the last 16 of the Champions League in an exciting way. To come, we've got Andy Kelly, we've got Emil Heskey and we've got Martin Fitzgerald. But first, we will indeed go back to Napoli before we get stuck into Manchester United. And Mo Stewart, it was another brilliant Liverpool performance from 30 to 70. I think that's the main thing you can take. If you take the goals out, and it's always a dangerous sentence because that's the aim of the enter, Surprise. It's very, very, very reminiscent of Liverpool versus Roma. It is. And the other game that it reminded me of, actually, was Chelsea against Manchester City. When you think about the timing of the goal and how we seem to get better after we scored attacking rather than beforehand. And I love that. I think that there was a little element that Napoli were unsure what we were going to do because... As I've mentioned on previous shows, there was the element of them thinking we're going to go flying out of the traps in that Liverpool European-esque way. But that didn't really suit what we needed in this game. And that hasn't suited how we've played. So that actually ended up happening in the second half. And I just think that as we went through the game, we got better at dealing with all of the different challenges that they, they faced us with. Obviously, it would have been a nice, nice game to have a few more goals, a bit more comfortable. But I'll save them all for Sunday. Um, it was a matter of picking moments, I think, Mel. I think you saw, and I think I keep saying this, and I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's something that we're missing from our football experience. I think you saw the shift from when a side's passing lanes are work, blocking passing lanes is working perfectly to when they just get tired. It just becomes difficult to be exactly where you need to be. And I think you see that with Napoli. I think you see them fall off a bit of a cliff before half-time. And then after sort of six or seven minutes of the second half, you felt that like Liverpool could pick their moments at will and Napoli could do nothing to resist them. Picking the moments is a good way to describe it because I thought it was a very measured performance. It was high intensity. In measure, it was let's overwhelm them in this period, but in measure, don't ever get... You don't. Liverpool didn't need to risk it all. They didn't need to blow the roof off. Um, and despite the intensity and enormity of the occasion, they were always in control of everything that they were doing. And I think in every stage of the match, actually... So, you know, they purposely tired out Napoli. They purposely gave them so much to think about. And at the same time, when you're so well organized as Napoli are, and when you are so lethal on the counterattack, when you're actually not getting those opportunities to break with any sort of success, it starts frustrating you. And then it seeps into... The defensive work that you're doing as well, because your, you know, your your one major weapon uh, is not coming to fruition. And I thought, you know, bar the save Allison had to make, Liverpool was so 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 comfortable, perhaps too comfortable, which is why in the end Allison had that save to make. But if we're being honest with ourselves, with all those opportunities that they squandered, it could have been a lot more comfortable than the scoreline suggested. And actually, even without the scoreline, I thought Liverpool were were pretty, pretty 
easy in that game. And that's an incredible thing to say, given the quality of opposition. The quality of opposition is most definitely a thing, Joel. I think one of the things we all got to watch through the match was Mohamed Salah solving problems on the pitch. So Koulibaly, for instance, gives him, you know, arguably wins his first seven battles against him. And... Mo Salah wins the eighth and the ball's in the back of the net. And that, firstly, is the sadness at times of being a defender. You know, Koulibaly will feel like he's had the better of the of the, of the affair, but Liverpool are 1-0 up, the first thing. But the second thing is, from that point onwards, you got the impression Salah was just repeatedly working out how to terrorise that, that, that Napoli defence. That's it. And I thought Koulibaly looked... He's been quoted as being linked to various, you know top-level European clubs recently, and fees getting quoted at 80, 90 million. And he looked every inch of that in the first 30, 35 minutes because I was thinking in the ground, thinking there's, there's no way we're getting past him here. And, you know, if we're thinking, then what's Salah thinking? But Salah works out, like he said, he works out on the pitch. And he looked, I, I'm not going to say he looked back to the level that he was last season in this game. It, he's, he's been threatening this last couple of games. Bournemouth was brilliant. But he looked, he, he looks maybe beyond that. He looks like he could go beyond last season's levels, just in t- not just goal scoring, just the way he's he's added new things to his game. Because there's so much now where the ball's coming to his feet and he's got a, a defender hanging off him, like a hunchback in Notre Dame. And he's just tearing them off like it's nothing. And he's worked that he didn't, he wasn't doing that loads last season. He's worked out to do that. So he's got, he's got, he's got another level to his game coming. I think he really has, Mal. Yeah, I do as well. And I really liked the way that he solved the problem of Koulibaly because what he actually ended up doing was he stood on the inside of Mario Rui. He just basically gave himself an extra five yards of space. Yeah. So Koulibaly couldn't really come and be close to him because he was literally next to Mario Rui. But he was on his inside. So when he received the ball, he was on his stronger left foot. Rui was on his weaker right foot. So he couldn't get the tackle in. And he gave himself that extra few seconds to control the ball and see what Koulibaly was doing before Koulibaly had a chance to react. So a couple, for his goal, he obviously spun in and turned towards goal, but there was a chance in the second half as well where he does the same thing. He just basically eases Rui out of the way, and as he's controlling the ball, he's got the goal right in front of him. And just the calmness to be able to have said, I don't know whether or not someone had a word to him about a half-time or whatever, but the calmness to be able to say, OK, this is what I need to do. That guy's doing a really good job but I can still get past him if I do this. And that's the bit that I think is going to take him to that other level, being able to do that in-game all the time. Jürgen Klopp actually, earlier this season, was getting a bit annoyed with people talking about Salah because the goal numbers weren't there, but he felt his all-round game, his all-round contribution for the team was actually better than what it had been last season. And... He knew that people would get obsessed with numbers, you know, compare Salah to last season and that tally. Uh, but he always said everything else is there. It's just that click, that that little touch and that little bit of confidence that just comes with, with rhythm because he hadn't been in rhythm for such a long time. He wasn't during the World Cup. Um, and I think we're seeing that in in essence now. He is very, very confident again. Um, and like you say, problem solving on the pitch, but not just looking for solutions, looking for it with absolute conviction mm-hmm. in that he's going to pull it off. 
I think he looks arrogant on the ball now. I mean, arrogance in the good side of arrogance. And there's a lot, there's a lot of times in the second half where he would get the ball on the far byline and stand up Rui, and he sort of struts towards him and like he's looking at Rui and go, "I've got room in your head here now. I'm renting space in your head. What are you going to do about it?" I mean, it's brilliant to see, to be honest, because we all love an arrogant footballer, really, don't we? I mean, but that's, I think he believes his own hype now, which is good. I think believing his own hype's important. Now, I think what you're actually watching is, I wrote it in my match review, that there's there's a, there's about to be a vacancy for best player in the world, that it's about to come up. Now, the the best player ever, ever to play the game is currently still doing it, and he's still doing it with, with a plomb, but at some sort of point, surely the ravage <laughs> of time begins to catch up with him. Ronaldo is now very much... Almost, if I say picks his games, it's disrespectful, but he's not. He doesn't look like a 38 game a season footballer anymore, mm-hmm. which he very much was yes. for, for nine, ten years. There is about to be a little bit of a vacancy for someone to be to be the main man, and it may well be that there isn't one main man. It may well be that there's three or four of them mm-hmm. vying for it because that's the nature of whatever happens post Messi. But it looks to me like Mo Salah's definitely got his he's thrown his hat into that ring. He's got his sights on it. That's for, that's for sure. I think it's an interesting one because the idea of waiting for the two of them to fall off this imaginary cliff, we could be here forever. I think <laughs> it's going to be a slow and unnoticeable decline rather than anything major, and to be honest there's been people for the last four years who've been thinking I'm going to put myself in a position uh, obviously Neymar being the most obvious he's pretty much been hopping around Europe trying to make sure he's in that right position but when what needs to happen I think to be unquestionable in that next echelon is to not only win things but to win things so emphatically that there's no argument and Salah has the ability to produce those kind of performances that make everyone go wow this guy is doing things that other people can't do and the more he's able to do that that's really what's going to cement it for him Footballers' trajectories are, are fascinating to me, Mel. You, you you spend more time with footballers and with agents, with the people around them because I think this is almost part of that conversation now where Salah has a good season at Roma let's be really clear it's a good season at Roma and now something's happened at Liverpool and I think it's fair to say that something's happened at Liverpool and it may well have just happened anyway you know it may well have been that he's that, that there was something in eight but I actually think that there's something about sometimes it's almost like an eclipse sometimes everything just sort of comes together and there it is and everything makes sense from that point onwards and I think that's what's, what's happened for Mo Salah everything now makes complete sense to him somewhere in his own mind and with his own ability and with his own physical prowess yeah uh, sometimes it's interesting because when you have conversations, like if you're doing a, an article on someone, on a player, and so you you know solicit different pieces of, of information, whether it be from analysts, the agents involved, people who know him well, friends, uh, people from the club that work with a player on a daily basis. And often you'll find that people close to the player will always insist that it was always going to happen for him. Uh, regardless yeah. and and you sometimes want to sit and say to them well why didn't it ha- happen this way here when he was at you know club x or club y or um and often as well you'll go back and you look at examples of when a player moved and you knew why are you doing that you stylistically it just doesn't work for you uh fernando torres with that Chelsea midfield comes to mind, just so incompatible in terms of of, uh, playing styles. And then when you listen to people who actually, you know, have to study the numbers and performance levels like the analysts, and they build you a picture of why things are different, then you start to understand 
the details behind everything. Salah at Liverpool works because a last season, everything was basically geared to make him, while Firmino was, you know, the focal point of the attack in terms of funneling everything, Salah was the star of that attacking trio. And the other two were happy to help him be that star and everyone behind him was happy to supply him. You know, when he was going for the golden boot as well, you could tell that people were interested in feeding him. Everything about how Salah is as a person, Liverpool completely buy into and and help him with it in terms of religious beliefs. So, you know, he's never put in a position where he has to do something that he doesn't want to. Uh, just his personal um, volitions. He, he does not like doing interviews, so he doesn't actually do them. I think he's, you know, in you've got contractual agreements where you have to do like one rights holder or a season for each player. So he does that. But even that, Liverpool make sure, you know, are you comfortable? So he's in this environment, basically, where everything, both on and off the uh, pitch, is totally focused on helping him being the best version of himself. And that may actually mean that, you know, other clubs look at him and think, oh, we can take him wherever and he'll be as good. And I think maybe because of the conviction he has in himself now, he probably could go somewhere else and and be explosive and stuff still. But I think the the all-encompassing nature of what he has here, it's very hard to, to replicate. Is there, Mel, something in Liverpool not just doing that for Salah, but Liverpool doing that for, for Sadio Mane? Liverpool yes, doing that yes. for a number of their players. And this is what we don't see behind the scenes is firstly how that squad interacts as people yeah. and that understanding as to, you know, that there's certain people you can put pressure on, you can have expectations on, but also Liverpool being able to sort of to almost tailor their expectations around every player. Like, for instance, I get the impression Van Dijk quite likes a bit of talking. He quite likes getting in front of a microphone. He's that sort of personality. Yeah. Whereas the flip side is Sadio Mane's got no interest whatsoever in it and would rather it didn't happen most of the time Mm. yeah absolutely I think what's important to point out is that like you mentioned Liverpool do do a lot for their players but the players do a lot for each other as well yeah and if you go back even the new guys that come in get that sense immediately because of the culture at, at Melwood and the example would be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain stepping into Phil Coutinho's interview to say you know that's an unfair question when he was getting asked about Barcelona now everyone knew at that point that he was desperate to go and but Chamberlain still felt this is my teammate I've got to step in here and protect him and you know it happens in in a variety of ways I think Jurgen Klopp as well the way he has allowed people to thrive in terms of responsibility and trust. The players basically police themselves. They're in charge of their own fine system. There's a senior players committee that makes sure everything functions. Um, And there's different, like you said, different personalities. Van Dijk is a natural leader, for example. And, you know, people always go on about give him the armband. Trust me, he doesn't need an armband to lead. He's he's one of those people. and then you get people that are, are more reserved, like Mane and, and Nabi Keita. And, but they're still made to feel completely part of everything. And then the staff as well are given, you know, every person. Mona is completely in charge of nu- nutrition. What she says goes. And the players then respect that as well. But 
I think there's a sense that everyone is contributing and, and one of the mantras or, or the key mantras, everyone is responsible for everything. I think people completely buy into it. And so I also think it will be helpful in this period coming up where, you know, there's loads of injuries, loads of fixtures, and Liverpool are going to have to come up with loads of uh, solutions to the conundrums they have. Um, next thing is miss missing Wijnaldum um, is a big miss. Uh, so, sorry, Wijnaldum had a big miss, more accurately rather than big misses to come. We're going to not get injuries and, as we talk about Manchester United. Wijnaldum's big miss uh, was the only real downside to what I thought was an excellent game. I thought that Gini Wijnaldum can really feel as though, yet again, uh, an excellent side to come to Anfield and he's looked like the best midfielder on the pitch. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was uh, Ben John and his ratings who said it, but he seems to play better against better opposition and it has become more and more noticeable for me over the last 18 months and it was a, a bit of a slow start for the midfield trio in general there was a little bit of sloppiness first 20-25 minutes and a few spaces but as he warmed to the task as they all warmed to the task he became more commanding and just that element of being able to give him the ball and just say keep it for two minutes and they can't get it off him no one can get it off him and how he's developed that skill is probably my favourite thing about him what I would say though um, like I say regarding his miss and a couple of other chances I'm thinking of the one where he tried to bend it with the outside his right foot into the top corner when <laughs> no one thought he was going to be able to do that uh, the attacking sharpness and the composure that we've seen early on in his Liverpool career and in his Newcastle career does seem to have been blunted a little bit and I say the same with Henderson as well I was watching some highlights recently of Henderson in uh, the 14-15 season of some of the goals he scored and you think when he's in that situation now you don't really think of that man anymore and I wonder is that the demands of the position is in terms of the fitness being able to have that composure when you're tired because obviously James Milner has scored a few goals and we will talk about the fact that it's not his speed, it's his stamina with Milner, so maybe that is the difference. But in this game, and asking for what Jurgen Klopp wanted him to do, his primary job, he did it very well. Uh, saying on Henderson, though, actually it's funny enough, the first game in a while in that Napoli was the first time we saw him drive forward on more, on more than one occasion. I, I actually came across to me a bit more of an attacking threat than he usually does. Now he's very... He's, Obviously, very, very good at what he normally does in terms of linking the play, keep dictating the tempo, keeping that going. But on Tuesday, he had a lot more shots than we usually see him. So it's actually funny you, make, you, you bring this up because mm. you know it's kind of like everyone, a lot of people joking behind me that he's, he's looking for his Gerard Limpiarcos moment. And the second half, <laughs> Jordan, I thought, this is what we're gonna have. But just one, get a shot at Burnley as well, which yeah. which, which Salah knocks onto the post. I uh, wonder whether drops to maybe maybe either he himself or maybe someone said Jordan, just feel free occasionally, mate. Enjoy yourself, live a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see as well. Just, just going back on Janino, I've had years and years of old fellas and old women tell me about how Kenny Dalglish could use his ass, and I don't think we're talking enough about Jimmy Wild Album's ass because he uses his ass so good yeah. to get away from players. So well, yeah. <laughs> that, from about ninety-one to ninety-three on Tuesday night, he made a run from the left-hand side of the pitch to the right-hand side <laughs> of the pitch. You thinking just passing me? But he's just using his ass to get away from players. Brilliant. Let's talk about more about Jimmy Wild Album's ass. <laughs> get out there. Um, 
on the XG, uh, the, the early one I saw, Mel Liverpool, 3.4 to, to 0.9. But even that didn't take into account, I didn't think, how at times Liverpool could have took another touch, made the opportunities better, yeah. how they could have played another pass, uh, a pass before the pass, and created a better opportunity. It didn't, even that, and that is quite spectacular for expected goals, certainly for a Champions League game between two quite evenly matched sides, yeah. in theory, that was utterly dominant. And I think that that tells the story of how utterly dominant Liverpool were. Yeah, and that again, I think, comes from the platform Liverpool used to build because their rear guard is so strong now. And the midfield trio, there was lots of talk, you know, before the game about why he's gone with them. But you could tell why, because he he never wanted the sense of occasion at any point to overrule the plan that Liverpool had. And I, I actually wasn't at all surprised by his team selection when I I was in South Africa during the press conference and, and in the build-up to the game. But I was following everything that he said and what what he was saying made me think he's going to go for that midfield three. Uh, we don't have to win the game in the first five minutes. Um, we don't have to play uh, with all the risk in the world. We need to be passionate, but also controlled. Uh, we need to feel the emotion, but we also need to uh, stick to our, our plan. All these kind of things made me think he's going to go with the people who have experienced this for him and who will understand exactly when he gives them that tactical you know blueprint uh, and also people who have experienced Anfield on a European night maybe not in similar sort of circumstances but you know in a high stakes game who can who can do the job for him the interesting thing about about the, the midfield three is I think Fabino and Naby Keita's performances also made them think to themselves, especially the the fact that, you know, we talk about the balance of the midfield all the time and how it wasn't there. I thought Genie, for example, was driving a lot more than he usually mm-hmm. does, ball carrying a lot more, uh, being more front foot. Not He's very disciplined and Liverpool need that a lot of the time, but I think he was mixing his discipline with with a bit more playmaking, which we haven't seen often enough for him. It was noticeable, you know, even looking at the average positions after the match, Mel, that when Alderman Milner was significantly ahead of Henderson, like at times that looked like a flat three. It didn't look like a flat three the other night. Yeah. And I think that's because Liverpool have seen it. Actually, that balance, yeah, we didn't have it. And so we need one of these three or two of these three, depending on the situation, to offer us more when we when we've got possession of the ball. And they did that. And I think I was watching Wijnaldum and I kept thinking, Naby Keita, you know, if there's a situation where Jürgen's thinking, I've got to have a ball carrier here as part of this three, Ginny's showing him, it doesn't always have to be Naby, you know. Um, last little thing uh, before we get on to the context of it all, Mo. Um, goalkeeper's arrived, hasn't he? Is <laughs> <laughs> it a big two weeks? Um, I mean, I, the high point will remain whamming Josh Josh King, but, you know, the, the, he's done other brilliant <laughs> stuff as well. I mean, it's could been a highlight reel that will last us a lifetime, but we've not even got out of December. Um, I'm really, really, really pleased to see this happening. I'm not surprised it's happening because I always had faith that he would be able to come in and be as solid and as good as I hoped he would would be but what we've always talked about for years and years is having a keeper who only has to do one thing and does it because 
what that also means is that you've got a defence in front of them that isn't going to give up five, six, seven chances a game. It's going to give up two or three a maximum chances a game, which is what happened on Wednesday. But his absolute surety in himself and what he's doing is is mind-blowing. I mean, if I could have that self-confidence in everything I was doing, I think I'd be rich by now. He's, uh, it's it's a terrific save, but it isn't, it's more, he makes the save look maybe not quite as terrific. I mean, I, when I saw it live, Joel, I was just like, this is that's the greatest save I've seen in my whole life. And you watch it back and you're a bit like, in the end, well, he's done really well. But, <laughs> yeah. but the reason why, though, is because he's so alive to it. He's so alive to the situation. He's, he's, he's that ball's, as that ball's in the air, he's thinking oh this is what's going to happen his reaction in terms of obviously his reaction to make the save is phenomenal but his reaction in terms of this is where the danger is is absolutely different class no and when the ball's in the end dropping down I think everyone in the stadium is thinking that's it we're, we're done we're out we're here and, and, and when <laughs> that ball doesn't go in that's usually a testament of how good a save is is when you're thinking well it's in and it's now it's not but then obviously you come back home <laughs> it is kind of straight at him I don't want to pour cold water on it but, but yeah no, he makes it straight yeah. Yeah. And we've had a lot of keepers in the past where shots have gone straight at him, you're thinking that's straight at you and that's gone in. So that's the testament to him to himself. To be honest with you, I just love to know where he lives because I love to just get some gingerbread and bring it around to him. <laughs> it's lovely to have full confidence in a goalkeeper and see that he's got full confidence in himself now. He fills his shirt now. You can tell he believes in himself and and he knows that everyone believes in him as well. That's I think this has been a... It's, it, I think that sometimes, you know, footballers arrive and they arrive in different ways, Mel. And I think that there was no shadow of a doubt two weeks ago whether or not we had a very good goalkeeper. We did have a very good goalkeeper. But now I very much enjoyed the the sheer charisma of the enterprise. I think Liverpool have got a very good goalkeeper, but they've also got what they needed, which was a hugely charismatic one. One who's prepared to, for instance, go and win a header against a centre forward because almost why not? You know, there's 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 something about this which now just sort of really feels like an arrival of a proper Liverpool player. Yeah. To be fair, I had the feeling that he arrived even before he was here. I think we did a gutter show in January where we spoke about him and I said if Liverpool signed Alisson, I'd probably be out in town <laughs> for, for an entire week. That was because of what we were dealing with at the moment uh, or at that time, five years of Simon Mignolet with only one season of him having a goalkeeper to compete with him and not just, you know, be his understudy. Uh, but also because I'd seen scouting reports on Allison, and when you assessed what kind of goalkeeper he was in terms of what Liverpool were looking for, it made so much sense. He, the, the command, the, he's got this, he's actually quite a nice, lovely guy. Um, so not in the sense of Virgil van Dijk, who's so authoritative naturally, but he's got authority in the way he plays. And I think it's so important for a Liverpool goalkeeper to have that because it can be such an unforgiving position. The way he reacted to his mistake at Leicester told you everything you needed to know about him. It's like he didn't even make it. And we haven't seen that. I don't know when last we had a goalkeeper you could say that about. Um... The other thing about him is he is very in tune, I think, with match situations. So even that, where we're saying it's straight at him, he's positioning the way he extends himself, the fact that he's ready to use his feet and his arms, everything about it makes it look easy. And, you know, Neil, you made a great point there. When you watched it, when you sat and you're in the 
the scenario. You can feel the atmosphere. You can feel the tension. You can feel how much they're desperate to, to nick something, anything. And he pulls off that save at that time like he did. It's so easy to watch it on TV and say it's straight at him. I'm telling you, for everybody sitting in that stadium, they were wowed by it. And afterwards, in the mix zone, in the press conference, Ancelotti said it was a, an amazing save. Jurgen Klopp said he didn't have the words for it. Virgil van Dijk went on about it. Every single player from Liverpool and Napoli went out about it. So I don't want people on Twitter who weren't there, who've seen <laughs> slow replays, continuously saying it was straight at him and it wasn't anything special. You could see could Virgil, Virgil van Dijk goes to him and we scored. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And Virgil mentioned his own reaction in the mix zone afterwards saying you saw how I reacted to it and he stood he stood right there Virgil I genuinely thought he was going to kiss him yeah <laughs> I mean if, you, if you're wanting a better view I don't think you're going to get a better view than, yeah. than what Virgil had um, of the thing I've actually uh, on WhatsApp on this group I've been saying for the past few weeks now it must be like a month and a half or maybe even two months I've been saying best goalkeeper in the world, best goalkeeper in the world, because every match he does something that I think to myself, I, I didn't even know this was possible for Liverpool. I didn't know these kind of saves actually happened. And often he makes them look so ordinary that you might not feel anything about them. But when you when you compare and contrast to what's come before, you realise the the gravity of having somebody there that is so commanding and so composed mm. that it makes everything feel so easy at the back. Excellent stuff. Uh, we'll talk about the context of this when we look ahead to United. We'll also talk about the injuries uh, sustained by Liverpool in that game then too. Um, coming up, I've got Andy Kelly talking about Liverpool's young prospects and where they're up to. I'm talking to Emil Heskey about the fans' bet star sixes. That is also to come. And I've got Martin Fitzgerald uh, just to popped in for a little bit of a chat. He might even hang on and talk to us about Liverpool versus Manchester United. Don't go anywhere. It's the weekender. Joined by Leon Walters from Wales. Um from the Ronda uh, in Wales, uh, which is all remarkably romantic. Um, is, it, is, it, is it countryside around you, Leon? Yeah, yeah, not far from the mountains, yeah. Not yeah, far at nice. all. Oh, tell you what, I used to live in Clangothlan, mate. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, going right the way back. Um, going right the way back. I lived in Clan. Go on, Lizzie. Leon, when I um, when, when I was speaking to you on Facebook and I saw you lived in Ronda, I clicked on Ronda, you know, yeah. just to have a little nosy of what was going on. Um, and the first event out of anything that come up was um, a Henry Hoover picnic in a park. <laughs> Bring your Henry Hoover for the picnic. Get the Hoovers out. Really? Sounds like I, a great I, I, place. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Need to visit. Get the Henrys out. They all get together, have a chat, uh, catch up. Anyway, we've got to do for Football Flash, uh, which is an app that we're working with, uh, which we use all the time. Uh, football Flash um, to give your news, your football-based news that you can tailor to your needs and wants. You can download that app, and from there they they let you know what's happening in the world of football. And from there we've taken ten questions, uh, which Leon's going to get. And if he gets eight right, he gets a piece of Anfield app merchandise, uh, which is fantastic news. We've got a big pile of it to be honest with you. We've got to get shut. Um, I mean, I could I could, I could big that. Price up some more but we are where we are so uh leon are you ready you're you backing yourself i'm backing myself yeah okay three two well, i don't know why i'm counting it in it's not that big a deal uh whose face <laughs> number one whose face was painted on a mural in liverpool this week uh Jurgen Klopp. is right number two the liverpool under 19s beat napoli by what scoreline on tuesday night oh god that's a, i've on. got i've got a multiple choice for you <laughs> a two nil or right. b five nil 
Uh, I think it was, was it 5-0? It was 5-0, uh, put you on two. Which Liverpool forward handed over his football share to a young fan after Liverpool's game against Napoli? Um, Mo Salah. You've heard of him. Number four, which former Reds midfielder returned to Liverpool last night for a party with his fellow Brazilians? Um, what was the question? Which, which, which former, former Liverpool midfielder uh, returned last ah, night? It was, was Fogatinho. They, they were having a great time, didn't they, the boys? <laughs> uh, number five. That'll be, be me later on. Uh, number five. Uh, the CEO of which German club has said that they have a debt to settle with Liverpool in the Champions League? Did they have a what, sorry? A debt to settle with Liverpool in the Champions League. I'm not too sure. Okay, well, it's a German club. Who we might have played in Europe before. Oh, is it, is it Dortmund? It is Dortmund. That puts you five out of five. Liverpool has reportedly set to bid £15 million for which Brighton midfielder? Uh, Pascal Gross. It is. Six from six. Who scored a cracking own goal for Man United on Wednesday? <laughs> the mighty Phil Jones. The mighty <laughs> Phil Jones. Number eight. Uh, this confirms the T-shirt, but we can rock on. Number eight. Which Arsenal legend is to become the new president of the Rugby Football League? Uh, Tony Adams. Isn't that mad? I mean, I don't know how that's happened, but well, Tony Adams is right. <laughs> I have no idea. Eight out of eight. <laughs> uh, which Spanish side got beat against Cheska Moscow last night in the Champions League? Uh, Real Madrid. It is. Nine from nine. Flying. Let's see if you get it right the last one. When does the Champions League last 16 draw take place? Uh, Monday. What time? Uh... <laughs> it starts at 11 o'clock and we'll find out what time it finishes 10 out of 10 well in Leon we'll get that t-shirt to you, you. Uh, sort it out with Lizzie in terms of the address and all that sort of stuff that sound Lizzie yeah that's I don't feel like I'm just giving you work actually. and let me know what size for your Henry Hoover as well you can have one too uh, <laughs> when, he wears the rest of, when he meets up with the rest of the lads he can wear it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and Henry has to see if there's some dating action going on. Uh, listen, thank you very much indeed, Leon. Thank you very much to Football Flash. Uh, thank you very much. It's another, it's another Anfield rap little insert. He'll be back over to the show. Andy Kelly joining me to talk about everything going on with the under 23s, under 19 slash under 18s, uh, their progression to the last 16. We'll come on to that in a second. But the first one I want to talk about is Hoover. There's been a lot of heat around him, Andy, uh, the quality of his performances. He see, appears to be playing in a couple of different positions. He appears to be really, really impressing. Oh, he, he is, and you know he's six, sixteen years old playing for the under twenty three team, and you would you you don't notice any difference, uh, Neil. Um, obviously, for those who don't know much about him, a lad we got from Ajax uh, had to wait a little while for international clearance. Came into the side, generally been playing right back uh, or, or right wing back, uh, looking very. Calm and assured there. Got a pass on him. Strong. He's almost like he's arrived ready-made, uh, Neil. You know, yeah. we we haven't had to do much development with him he, so far. Or Because as soon as you saw him, you thought, this lad can play. And uh, he's done excellently. Uh, a couple of times uh, against Napoli, for instance, in the, uh, in the UEFA Youth League and against uh, PSG in the UEFA Youth League, they uh, brought him in to play centre-half, where we know he can play as well, and has taken that in his stride. And maybe his standout game, which a lot of people will have seen, was the under-23 derby at Goodison Park, yeah. where he's gone into you know, a full-time uh, you know, you know, full Premier League stadium and hasn't missed a beat, and was probably Liverpool's man of the match. Um Coming a few days after the 23s had taken, um, you know, a, a 7-0 beating against a, a much older Villarreal side, uh, they went to Goodison, beat Everton 1-0, and he was probably our man of the match. Calm, assured, with a pass, and looks to have a huge future. You say a huge future. I mean, there's there's trajectories here, isn't there? It's a, quite a difficult, you know, 
it seems to me like if he's already playing 23s, he's so highly thought of, but on the flip side, he's only 16. There's going to there's gonna come a little bit of conflict one way or another at some point. And I mean, that it's the best possible type of conflict, but where if his progression just keeps going, the manager's got a little bit of something to work out and he won't like the idea of putting someone maybe even that young into the team, but he, he'll be thinking about it. Yeah, I think that what the great thing is, there is it's one of the hardest things and one of the, the most dangerous things, if you like, as to when to drop these, move these players up in grade. The fact they've already moved Hoover into the the under twenty three shows that they've been, you know, very impressed with what he's shown them so far. What we do have, and, and what's great at Liverpool, is that um, we have this bridge whereby they can take the player from the academy pop them to Melwood and leave them there for a couple of months to improve and develop alongside the first team. Wouldn't surprise me if Hoover makes that jump. We've seen players like Curtis Jones go up yeah. and we've seen them when they play for the academy sides. You can see the development in them, Neil. And, and I think, you know, for all these 16, he'll turn 17 mid-January um, and it might be a little early to to send him to Melwood. I think we will see it you know, sooner rather than later. They'll pop him to Melwood, put him in among a first-team environment and see how he copes you, with some of, the, some of the talent alongside him. Do you think you should have an eye on the, 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 the pre-season tour next summer? Is that where you think you may well get, you may well get a bit of time with the first team around then? Pot- potentially. Um, <laughs> it's always interesting to see who's available for those pre-seasons. Oh, of course, yes, because there's, 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 there's the competitions that sometimes the younger players are in. Yes, so obviously I think next season is just going to be the Nations League, isn't it? And that's you know, quite a limited number of players, probably. So it might be that more first teamers are available for the tour. That might limit the chances of some of the academy players going. We've seen Camacho, Jones, uh, the goalkeepers go this season and be impressive. Um, I mean, you'd imagine someone like, um, y- you know, the the, uh, the other football, Adam Lewis would perhaps be. Yeah. You know, he he plays on the other side from Hoover, but he perhaps would would have a stronger claim. Um, he didn't go this summer mainly because he had sort of England youth responsibilities. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Hopefully, you know, the the big thing and the caveat we say to all these young players is, you know, that they're still growing and that they are at risk of injury. And you know, fingers crossed, um, he stays injury free, and we can they can sort of map out his progress as they'd want it, rather than have to sort of stop and start as he you know as he picks up niggles or, or anything more serious. So, um, but really one for a name for Liverpool player, uh, fans to just tuck away in their memory banks uh, Kiana Hoover um, next thing is the under 16 under 19 sorry making the last 16 um, is uh, with a result against Napoli it shows that they've come together it's quite an exciting little side here you know the last 16 that we've got out of the playing against the teams they've been playing against it shows that they're, that they're in good shape yeah for anyone who doesn't know the youth league uh, sort of matches the same groups as mirrors up doesn't it exactly mirrors up absolutely mirrors up and so to have PSG and Napoli and and, uh, and Red Star Belgrade uh, in the group was always going to be a challenge started off really well then they had a, a little bit of difficulties they had the infamous game in Napoli where there was the last minute equaliser for Napoli with three balls on the pitch uh, and then they went to <laughs> PSG and, and lost 3-2 so they went into the last round of games um, this week um, level on points with PSG uh, but a win was uh, a good win was going to take them through as group and only the group winners automatically go through into the last 16 and uh, they cruised it uh, 5-0 never in doubt against Napoli um, there was a little bit on the game because there was there was a there was a little bit of sort of feeling that, that Napoli 
Um, you know, rubbed Liverpool's faces in it a little bit with that last-minute uh, equaliser in Italy, and I think uh, the Liverpool lads were very keen uh, that they were, <laughs> they were going to win that game. And uh, yeah, terrific. Once they got the first goal, it was never in doubt, Neil. And, and they, they scored five, and we saw goal number seventeen from Paul Glatzel of the season, and goal number seventeen of Bobby Duncan of the season, who came off the bench. And uh, you know, these two young lads are. Huge competition, I think, for each other, and I think are, are firing each other onwards to, um, to, you know, to sort of greater things, really. And uh, the, 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 you know, they really are the stars of the season for the 18 stroke 19s. Um, in the 23s, uh, you mentioned to me before we came on air that Liverpool are, are still pretty close. They've got themselves back in touch after a bit of dodgy form. Good 4 1 win at the weekend against Arsenal. Uh, and uh, Liam Miller came off the bench and got a couple. Yeah, he's been coming off the bench a couple of times recently for the 23s. And he's one of those players who sometimes seems to play better off the bench. I mean, Everton fans are seeing it with with Adam Lukman at the moment, where he, if you start him, he's not quite so good. Yeah. Coming off the bench, he makes a real impact. Um, and Miller's been coming off the bench for the lesser spotted Lazar Markovic. Yeah. who's been playing the first half of games um, for, for the 23s um, and uh, Markovic has done quite well he's got the opener against uh, against Arsenal he, he laid on one in the previous game for uh, Glenn McCauley um, so he, he's done quite well but Miller's been coming on for him at half time another uh, two good goals um, uh, on on Saturday against Arsenal you've got to remember Arsenal beat Liverpool 4-0 less than a couple of months ago at their place that was never a 4-0 game Liverpool were a bit unlucky should maybe have scored two or three before Arsenal started scoring and maybe this game Liverpool were probably a little bit lucky to win it 4-1 there was there was chances at both ends and uh, it was one of those Liverpool ended up taking their chances and but that takes them up to just five points off the off the top of the Premier League two considering they lost quite a number of games sort of uh, in the opening few months of the season where the, the team was chopping and changing and weren't really in the best of form and um, they, 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 I think they're up to seventh now but it's a really compact league and if you win a couple of games uh, Like the every, championship say Yeah like, exactly if you win a couple of games you can just jump I mean Liverpool I think were second bottom uh, of the 12 uh, they've jumped a couple of places but you're, you're literally five points away and Derby are leading and, and I mean they beat Liverpool at Liverpool but that was a game Liverpool really should have won so um, I don't think there's a standout team in Premier League 2 um, they it is that they are the trickiest teams to judge because they're the ones that get changed most. The under twenty threes, yeah. Um, they have you, occasionally you'll get a first team player like a Solanke or a Markovic will drop down or an Origi even. We saw Origi play a couple of twenty threes games before, obviously going on to have that huge impact in the in the Merseyside derby, and that and that's what your twenty three side is for to get them some game time, get them ready if required. He was required, and look what happened. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, when we next had one of our chats, I did mark it down and make a mental note. What on earth happened against Middlesbrough in the 6-5? What on earth <laughs> went on in the 6-5? It seems like, for the under, this is for the under-18s listeners, it seems like, they, you know, how you don't get many 6-5s in your life. Yeah, I mean, these lads have got to get used to it. They're not getting many more 6-5s. Well, it was, um, it's one of those, I don't think anyone who played in that game will ever forget it, because um, <laughs> it was just terrific. I mean, the, the, we should highlight again, uh, Bobby Duncan because he was the star of the show for Liverpool four goals and two assists in the six um, and Liverpool not only uh, win it 6-5 having been 4-3 and 5-4 behind uh, <laughs> they win it in the last minute with uh, no time to even kick off uh, at, at, on the 6-5 the ref doesn't even restart the game and um, it's, a, it's a Paul Glatzel um, last minute winner 
with a Bobby Duncan assist and you know just an unbelievable game of football and that is the fourth time um, this season the Liverpool under-18s have won a game in the last minute and that is I think that says a lot about the character in the side um, the fact that they're all really playing for Barry Lucas the manager yeah and uh, and the fact there's a, a huge spirit in that in that camp and um, they've all they've always the 18th 19th are always my favorite side of any of the Liverpool sides I know where uh, John Gibbons shares my view on this in that it's just lads where the world is still their oyster every one of them could go on to be a great of the game or may in a year's time be never heard of again to yeah. a certain extent and it's that sense of jeopardy and that sense of the world could just be their oyster that I think gives them such a huge uh, fun to follow well if people want to keep their eye on them they're playing uh, against Portsmouth in the U- FA Youth Cup aren't they and that's on LFC TV so you know if people do want to watch you know it's an opportunity to, to, to watch them and just have it it's on a Tuesday night it's between Man United and uh, and Wolves so there's nothing else going on for us it's a it's a League Cup week we're no longer in it it might be worth people sitting down and watching this side absolutely and anyone who's you know within you know half an hour an hour of, of, of Merseyside get yourself along to the academy it'll be free in uh, take some ID because they do ask for ID these days not quite sure why but um um, it'll be youth cup is always the highlight of youth football year, and um, you know Liverpool will go into a game against Portsmouth as, as strong favourites, but the youth cup does tend to produce, um, you know, like the FA Cup, you know, yeah. it will produce big upsets, and you will see these uh, these you know slightly lesser sides, if you like, always raise their game, and uh, yeah, I'll be there next Tuesday, a fantastic you know, fantastic game, and that's their last game uh, for the under 18s before Christmas. So if you want to, they get a proper Christmas break, don't they? Yeah, the they do. They do. They give <laughs> Fair play to them because, <laughs> of course, a lot of them are still at school. Yeah. So it's almost like they get the school break. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, if you do want to catch a bit of 18s football. Uh, Tuesday night at the Academy and that's your your last chance this year really uh, Brilliant stuff get down if you can watch it if you can't LFC TV to watch it and at the Academy if you want to get down free as Andy says and it's a perfectly adequate Tuesday night off, out uh, Kickoff is 7pm so don't miss that Andy's doing our we record these before he does our tour player stuff so he's going to have a ch- big chat now in depth into the 18s the 23s and everything going on with Neil Jones and Glenn Price I will get out of their way and let them get on with that and I'll leave you to get back on with the show Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons with our beer 52 partnership um it was really funny in the office last week you know you were away a lot last week yeah um there was this sort of um so we got the beer 52 boxes yeah and then we got the other beer 52 box yeah and then a third beer 52 box came with your name on it and i presumed you just ordered it but they seem to be sending it to us when i look at things so now we've got a pile of beer 52 down here that we're going to get absolutely stuck into later yeah i think basically i was cheeky and went oh we haven't had any beer 52 for a while uh and then and then everyone laughed and went oh we'll send you some and then i think they said well it's christmas we'll send everyone some uh and so i think i just ended up on two two deliveries which i'm never going to argue with so the uh we went hard on it last last week on afq i had a um, uh it's a blackberry milkshake IPA and it was oh, wow. absolutely delicious. Abs- no, sorry, blueberry blueberry milkshake IPA and I thought I'll go for this because I never normally you know drink was, anything like that in yeah, your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was it was unreal. So so, so, so so I was I was I was really, really pleased with it. Um so there's still there's still a couple. So we're doing office AFQ today, well we which is Yeah, I haven't listened to last week's AFQ. I was I'm behind on a couple that I haven't hosted recently, so I must fix that. Yeah, I think it was good. I think it was good. Oh, there was a question where we all we all had to say whether we could fight you. Oh, well, I should definitely listen yeah, to it then. Yeah. I'd like to think everybody said yes. No, no, they didn't. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think we all sort of decided that we couldn't be asked. 
Yeah, I mean that's a valid. That's a, I mean that's I'd say that's a valid position. Do you know, what, you know, if you try any of you tried to fight me, do you know what I'd probably do? What? I'd probably try and bite your nose off. Well, that's it. I said you'd be a biter. Yeah. I said, I said, I said. I, well, we basically decided that a fight between you and he and he was on the show as well. We were just we were just nominating random people. <laughs> <laughs> would be would be the, one of the dirtiest fights you'll ever see. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. I just I basically I, I mean yeah. I, I don't want to give too much away, but my <laughs> I would jump up on you and just try and bite your nose off. And basically, I think the what happened was everyone was like confident for the first five seconds and then the reality of fighting you like dawned on everyone and they went oh no he'd be a nightmare that's probably true uh, <laughs> that's probably true uh yeah 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 but i'm not i'm in no way shape or form do i, do I back myself as a fighter i think i'm particularly hard i'm just bloody minded and would try and bite your nose off uh, i mean that's a great advert for be a 52 <laughs> They're gonna be made. The two up. things aren't connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're gonna be made up. Be a fifty-two. This is what they call integrated content. Yeah, honestly, it doesn't get more integrated than this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it does not get more integrated than this. So yeah, be a fifty-two anyway. Uh, if you go to be a fifty-two forward slash rap, uh, that is be a fifty-two forward slash rap. There's like a little thing which is um, all sitting there where you can get stuck in and you can claim your free case. And they're knocking around in the southwest, um, still doing Bristol-based sort of gear. Uh, that's happening at the minute and you can there's loads and loads of interesting stuff on there and loads and loads of really good beers as well um so you enjoyed what you had last time out yeah uh, the pilsner as well which was really good but that's like my safe choice like i always like a pilsner so i went for that and then obviously i, I, I tried to but that's a good thing about about stuff like this isn't it like the, the you know the sending you stuff to where well, you can tailor it so you get stuff that, that you normally like but also obviously there's the stuff that maybe you wouldn't necessarily buy and, and then you can enjoy so yeah that is the beauty of someone else picking <laughs> No, it is the beauty of someone else yeah. picking. I'm so so. I'm so, like in every single sense, I, you know. I so Rob's recording in the next room yeah. um, right now as we're as we're having a chat about this. And one of the best things about going to a restaurant with Rob is he's desperate to order for you. And I love it. You, you yeah. know, I, mean? I just love the idea. That I'll just, you know, certainly if it's somewhere he's been before, he'll yeah. just take that, he'll just be high-handed and order for you. And there's yeah. loads of people who'd be all a bit precious about that. But I'm like, you fill your boots, mate. Honestly, you just, <laughs> oh, you take that choice away from me and you just tell me what you think is good. Yeah. And that's what I agree with you. That's what, that's one of the good things about all of this is, you know, is that idea of that's how this works. And so, yeah, it's a They've free... tried all these beers so you don't have to. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's a free case of craft beer. Um, so thank you to them. Uh, um for supplying more than one of them to us. Um, and you can get them in time for Christmas. It is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. Um, and it is it is curating what it's doing. It's not just lashing anything in there. Uh, and at the minute, it's Bristol. So there's Firebrand's Juicy New England IPA. Uh, there's a Keller Pilsner, which I think it might be what you are. Yeah, lovely. Um, I love a Pilsner as well. Uh, and, there's a, uh, and there's a refreshing uh, Eisenberg Session IPA, and that can get stuck in there as well. And you can pick between lighter beers and mixed beers if that's what you do. It's five ninety five uh, for the postage, but you get all the beer free the first time around. There's the magazine, uh, and there's like a snack in there, which will tend to be salty, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and you take the free case and there's no minimum commitments and you see what you think so it's the Anfield so it's sorry it's not the Anfield rap it's beer52.com forward slash rap uh, beer52 um, so it's the word beer and then the numbers five and two uh, and that's dot com forward slash rap with a W which you will definitely know by now <laughs> and we're yeah made up that they're partnering with us consistently and it's one of the best things about Christmas we can all relax drink lovely stuff try new things and enjoy ourselves uh, it's very much the vibe of the Anfield rap on this weekend overjoyed to be joined by Emil Heskey to talk about the fans bet stuff 
Star Sixers, uh, which is a fantastic Sixer-side tournament that's taking place up at Glasgow. The Anfield Rap will be there as well. Uh, there's some great players involved. The rest of the world have got Robert Pires, uh, Ronald De Boer, Mendieta. Uh, Scotland have got Barry Ferguson, Don Hutchison. Northern Ireland have got Keith Gillespie. Uh, they've got uh, Mike Taylor. Uh, Republic of Ireland, McAteer, Aldridge. Wales, Bellamy, Giggs. But England, England have got, uh, they've got Joe Cole. They've got Emil Heskey himself. They've got Michael Owen. How excited are you about about playing this sort of event and, and, and who are you looking forward to seeing because one of the things that strikes me about this is the good thing for the football players is you get to hang around with all your old mates yeah I think that's the main thing of getting back <laughs> together and, and uh, uh, having the banter and the camaraderie again you know, I've been seeing each other for a while probably since the last one to be honest with you but uh, you know it's, it's, it's always nice to get back together and uh, have a bit of a laugh who are you looking forward to playing with then? I mean, you know, I've I've talked on many a show about your old partnership with Michael Owen. You know, that's just that, that we've seen enough of that down the years to know that that's fruitful. But who else do you look forward to seeing playing with, playing against? Um, obviously playing uh, playing with uh, Benji. I've obviously played a little bit with him at Aston Villa, so it'll be always be nice to get back with him. And uh, J-Mo is a bit of a uh, a laugh as well, uh, bit of a a live wire. To say the least. Well, the, the event um, takes even at, even 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 at his old age. <laughs> the event takes place fourth of Jan, fifth of Jan, sixth of Jan um, at the uh, SSE in Glasgow. Um, there are matches involving every player every single night. Uh, six matches a night, eighteen games in total. Starts off with a group, then becomes f- uh, playoffs for fifth place, third place, and a final. So it's across all three nights. One of the things that I think. Emil, is must be difficult for professional footballers is, you know, you look at your career, you spend your life getting fit, getting ready, getting ready to play midweek, getting ready to play Saturday at 3pm, and then all of a sudden all that energy, that all gets taken off you. And that must be a really, you know, I think a lot of players do find retirement a bit difficult, don't they? Because you've, you, you've conditioned your body since the age of about 12 to do this thing. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I I was lucky enough. To, I I joined like a local club when I, when I finished. There was a few uh, ex players that were playing there and training there. So I just joined in with them and just uh, to keep myself go- ticking over really and keep myself uh, c- kind of a detraining, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because you've, like you're saying, from the age of nine, I've been I've been going to training and uh, even that then it was like three to four times a week. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of detrained myself a little bit. Um, so it, I, I was lucky in that sense, but I had people around me that I could do that with. At times, it's difficult because you don't have that the, the facilities or people around you that you can do that with, and that's where you know, that's where uh, a lot of players have the trouble. Is there a, is there a psychological thing as well? You know, you 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 build yourself for competition and for, for you know for an intense competition in front of a big crowd, a worldwide audience for some for some players for some games, and then suddenly that goes. You know, that must be. I always think about players when they retire. Yeah. It must be so hard. It's tough. It's tough. Um, obviously, you're 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 an entertainer. You're 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 used to being in 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 that arena, and that's your arena. That's your that's your place. Of, uh, you know where you where you get so much uh, satisfaction and joy from. Um, yes, it does get taken away from you, but uh, you know it's it's one of those things that uh, uh, I can't. Um, me personally, I I uh, I put put myself in a situation where I knew it was coming to the end, and I I mentally got myself prepared for that. Um, so does, do these events like, sort of bring it all back? They bring that, that that aspect of your back. They bring that sort of that desire to. You said before, you know, you mentioned entertainment. I think it's dead interesting because these games, I can never work out which players see it as a bit of entertainment, which players see it as something that's deadly serious, which players see it as both. So does this really get all those juices flowing? 
so, uh, it, it, it depends on the player, doesn't it? Uh, you, you saw with the with the last one, uh, some of the tackles that was flying in, yeah. flying in. Even I was looking, even I was looking at it and thinking, "Geez, I thought this was supposed to be a little bit of fun." <laughs> uh, but people do take it dead seriously, and um, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm of the, uh, I'm of the up that, uh, you know, football is all about fun and enjoyment, and uh, I, I, that, that is, obviously there's always a serious side to it. But uh, I always take it. I always uh, find the fun side of it. Um, so in this one, then are you uh, are you you know going to Scotland as an England side? Are you expecting to find lads hanging off crossbars and that sort of thing? <laughs> Say that again. Sorry. Going to Scotland as an England as an England side, are you expecting to find supporters hanging off crossbars, crossbars, <laughs> a bit of an atmosphere, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely a bit of an atmosphere. Um, it's always nice to play uh, uh, against Scotland and uh, and playing in Scotland. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a bit of banter going flowing about as well. It is absolutely. It's going to go right off. Um, is that the last little thing about it? Really, is is you know the seeing the other players as well and being able to sort of to, to, to watch and, and chat and meet back up you know I'm looking at that rest of the world side for instance and there's some you know some really really talented footballers in there in the England side as well there's some really really talented footballers is there a part of you that's just sort of like you know I'm, I'm almost trying to ask you if you're all going for a few beers or not and I'm talking around the house so I'll just ask you directly you're all going for a few beers <laughs> yeah we, we will do yeah definitely um <laughs> Obviously, uh, the rest of the world's got Stylian Petrov, who I played with a long time at Villa. So um, he's been bugging me to come out to another drink. So I think that's an ideal time to actually sit down and have a little chat and have a drink with him. Um, last little thing, then I can't get you on without talking about the game at the weekend. Uh, massive, massive game for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You're looking in really good shape at the minute. I'm, I'm looking at like a season. You, you've, I've been talking, doing some work, talking about 0102 recently, and this season's had a couple of shades of that. But it looks like a season that's building to a boil quite nicely for phys- for Liverpool. They look physically in good shape. Do you fancy them against United at the weekend? Yeah, I do. You know, um, well, I've been I've been very impressed with Liverpool in the sense that. Um, um, all great sides, all good sides uh, know how to win ugly. Don't necessarily have to play well, but they know how to win. And that is something that Liverpool have, 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 have added to their armour. Um, you know that they're good, good going forward. Uh, with Van Dijk, uh, it seems like they've got that solid, that solid defender, uh, that leader, that, 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 that talisman who takes charge. Uh, they haven't really had that since Kara left. And uh, it seems uh, it seems very very promising. Uh, so yeah, I just think it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, all right, then talk you through the details again, listeners. It is the fans' bet star sixes. Uh, it will be a fantastic event. It's in Glasgow, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth of January. The Anfield Rap really excited about going up there as well. Uh, talking to some people, getting some bits and pieces. Hopefully, might get a chance to sit down with a meal and have a chat with him. Uh, maybe over a beer, as it sounds like that's the way we rock and roll. Definitely. Uh, there, is, <laughs> there is just again run through the players playing: Robert Perez, uh, Ronald De Boer, Pierre Van Hooydonk, uh, Mendieta, can never pronounce his surname, his first name. Sorry, Stylian Petr. Uh, you've got Barry Ferguson's playing in this one, Don Hutchison, much underrated footballer, Michael Owen, Emil himself, Joe Cole, Wayne Bridge, Darren Bent. Uh, I, can't, I, th- I thought Darren Bent was still playing, to be honest with you. I think he might be a bit of a ringer, Emil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was as well, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Northern Ireland's got, got Mark Taylor, you've got Keith Gillespie, uh, there's Paddy McCourt in there as well, Republic of Ireland, Jason McAteer, John Aldridge, uh, and uh, Niall Quinn, that's interesting. Uh, Craig Bellamy, uh, 
uh, playing and Ryan Giggs, Dean Saunders, loads going on, loads of players. It is at the SSE Hydro in Glasgow. Uh, it is the Fans Bet Star Sixers. We're excited to be part of it. It sounds like Emil is as well. Come and be part of it with us the 4th, the 5th, the 6th of January. Uh, we'll see you up there. Uh, looking forward to a fantastic weekend. Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons are on the weekend with our Reds Bet conversation. And Reds Bet this weekend, John, uh, I know you know. I'm just going to do that in sort of an avuncular. Hey, John. You just How have this. you been? Yeah, how have you been, John? We haven't had a meeting about this this morning. Uh, Reds Bet are doing a, a weekend uh, uh, risk-free bet uh, this weekend. So you can sign up and bet £10 on the match result. Uh, the match result, Liverpool versus Manchester United on Sunday. And you get your £10 back if you don't win. So you sign up, you put the £10 on. And if you don't win, uh, and the £10 has got to be on Liverpool to win, uh, draw or uh, Manchester United to win. And if you don't win, that £10 will be refunded on December the 17th um, in full. So that's what that's what they're doing. That's what they're about. Yeah, it's a really good bet um, because often with these, it's refunded as a free bet and you need to spin it three times and blah, blah, blah. This is money back into your account that you can withdraw if you want to. So it is genuinely risk-free. So it's a, it's a, it's a bell to what they're doing this weekend. It, so is, well it is indeed a bell to what they're doing this weekend. We always do this segment and we say, if gambling's not for you, then uh, feel free to ignore this and move on. And if you, But if you do like a bet, then do think about coming and doing it with Reds Bet. Uh, and that's we're going to re- very much reassert that message right now. That's the way in which this works. But if you haven't signed up yet, please do so. And when you do sign up, do say where you want uh, any uh, future losses, if you choose to use them again, to go to uh, as part of the Reds Bet offer. Please do do that. And always be gamble aware. That's begambleaware.org. Um, I don't think we're doing a show about United, me and you. Before I think because you, you, I'm on City Talk now. Oh yeah, yeah so I'm doing City Talk. But this, there. this is admin on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I'm, I've, I've, I've cried off this afternoon, haven't I? Which is a shame because uh, it looks a good weekend of show. It's Belter. Um, but yeah, but so, but um, yeah, I'll do, I'll do City Talk with you tomorrow. Excellent. Well, what's your fancy then? How are you, how are you feeling about it? You're sort of my barometer for this. I'm confident. Yeah, I think I did, I did something with, with uh, 90 minutes the website and. I was sort of talking about it, and I was like, you can talk yourself into this mess, but if you try and sort of take a step back and look at it logically, you know, it's the team who were top playing, the team who were six or seven for whatever they are at the moment. It's a team who just aren't conceding goals at home versus a team who are very unlikely to do much attacking. Um, You know, there's this firepower now, and I know they've, they've frustrated us over the years, but you look at the bench, for example, that we had against Napoli, and you, you know it's it's Shakiri, it's Kaiter, there's there's Aridian storage knocking about as well, and there's there's good attacking options who can come on and, and change things and and and, um, and mix things up. And so I just I just think if you know, there's, I understand why people can sort of get nervous about the game because it's it's been a tricky one for us over the years in terms of how they've approached it and 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 how we've sort of dealt with that really. But I just think I just think we're going to be too strong, and I think you know. I mean, I watched a bit of them last night, and they weren't great at all. So, I think I think Liverpool will be too much for them. I think it's it's yeah. I can't quite work out, and I I I think it's been overstated in the past. You know, the 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 line. I think it's overstated. Full stop. Anyway, now, but you know, the line in the derby, the form book goes out the window. Yeah. But I also think in the past it's been overstated. So it's Liverpool and United. I always remember, and I love you know, I love telling people the story of you kicking off on Mike and Evan and Mike Gale <laughs> when we were in New York before we were playing them in the thirteen fourteen season. Away yeah. from home, and you were saying, "We're just going to wh- wh- why are you even talking about this? Like it's, we're going to batter them." Yeah. And they were also talking about being worried about where Everton were in the table, yeah. and you were you were you, you were absolutely livid and sort yeah. of stormed off away from them because you just couldn't believe what you were saying. <laughs> I went and sat at the other end of the trade. Yeah, just well, I can't I can't deal with this. <laughs> and it was, but it was it was that was the the, the sort of. And, I'm hoping that that's where this one ends up. You know, I think on the whole, one of the reasons why they've got results against us across the last three years is because 
broadly speaking, they've been as good as us. <laughs> if you know what you see, what I mean? Yeah. You last season they finished second. Yeah. I, I, we we can have the chat and say, well, we had other things on our mind and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But we get one point from the two games. They finished second and yeah. we finished fourth. You know, the year before, um, I don't think we get anything out of the, out of playing them. But you know, the year before again, we're we're probably a better side than them. Uh, they finished sixth, but. We only finished fourth. <laughs> My thing is that the, and that's the season they win two cups. And that's the season they also win two cups. So the same thing about the the second and fourth thing yeah, comes yeah. into. You see what I mean? I just sort of think you know, there's the Van Hal one. There's when Gerard gets sent off. All of this sort of stuff, but. In all of those seasons, it's very difficult to say. Well, yeah, but we were much better than them. And if you go back to when you know under Benitez, one of the reasons why we beat them, oh um, eight oh nine. For instance, home and away is because we're pretty much as good as them. Yeah. But the seasons before, when we went there, oh six, oh seven, when they go on and win the title, well, they go on and win the title. They're better than us. Yeah. I don't. I honestly don't think the form book and thirteen, fourteen, we beat them home and away. Yeah, that's because we were well, well better than them. I yeah, don't, I don't. The phone book goes out the window. No, I don't think it does necessarily, and and I, I think that's a really good point. And what, what I'd also say is that you know the times where they've came and they've frustrated and they've, they've bought into it to a, a game plan and I, and I don't think he's quite got the squad in, in the same place mentally as, as he had them sort of last year or two I think I think they're all getting a bit fed up to be honest with you they're sick of getting called rubbish and so, um, and, and so I think the idea of them coming being really disciplined for 90 really buying into this idea of we're going to go and dog a, a, a nil-nil at Anfield I think sort of a tough sell tough sell for them at the moment certainly a tougher sell than it would have been maybe a year or two ago uh, quick any other business uh, number one excited about these uh, the, the, the fans bet star sixes yeah coming yeah. to Glasgow I know. our big weekend in Glasgow that's come from nowhere it has it really has come from nowhere and I haven't been involved in any sort of the meetings or anything I'm just sort of hearing snippets really and it, and it, and it sounds great I also liked how quickly it became a reality like it was like oh we might be doing this and then next thing I knew we were doing it which which. I always like in any walk of life, <laughs> um, you know. So, so yeah, it's going to be a good event. Uh, it's another chance for me to flirt with footballers, a slightly drunk, which is uh, which I'm always keen on. It's on brand. <laughs> so uh, I'm taking that international. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ta- I mean, just taking it out of Liverpool. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can you can flirt with footballers from the rest of the world. Yeah, and all the home Isles uh, and the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, you can fill your boots. I mean, the Irish lads will enjoy it. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a tight squad. The Irish squad, but. It's a squad that looks a bit frisky, I'd say. <laughs> um, yeah, they're all in there. Uh, really looking forward to that one, and I thank you to Emil. Last little bit, then there it is. Well, there's a load of bets all around the match on the Reds Bet website. Uh, Aldo's gone this weekend. <laughs> He's gone, Aldo. Do you want Aldo's Premier League Always. <laughs> Man City, Chelsea and Watford to win. Okay. <laughs> I mean, ignoring our game completely. But also just like, you know what I mean, Aldo, our sound mate. Do you know <laughs> Yeah, great. Uh, good news for Liverpool here. Uh, maybe he's just studied the form book really hard. I think that's what he does. I think he yeah. basically gets them to put a bet on that he wants. Takes it really seriously. Yeah. Fair play. And says, can you, can you boost the odds on this one for me? So Man City, Chelsea and Watford all to win. Uh, Alisson to save a penalty. Uh, Alisson to save a penalty is 24-1. to That's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. Um, Virgil van Dijk to score a header is 16-1. to um, All right. Liverpool to go unbeaten at home. We've, this is a, this is a recurring one. Still yeah. sits at three to one. Liverpool to go unbeaten all season has gone to fourteen to one. It was thirty threes. No, do you know what I was thinking about the other day as well? Um, um, the, uh, the uh, in terms of Liverpool ongoing bets, that Salah PFA Player of the Year one's looking decent now. It's looking as well, very healthy it? indeed because yeah. he's uh, he's quietly Premier League top scorer. Yeah, just sorted <laughs> out. Yeah, he went from so, zero to nine overnight. And so if you think of that, where you know. 
one of the obviously one of the favourites to win the Premier League. And if if we were to do it, I mean, there's a, there's a verge argument, isn't there? But do you normally just give it to a boss boss striker, which I can sort of get on board with? Yep. So um, I, I, I'm, I've, you know, that that was that was drifting at one point. I know. I mean, I mean, that, that, there'll still be there will be a Bernardo Silver argument to be had at some sort of stage. But you know, if if you think of Liverpool in it, yeah, then, it's, it's, then it's, you who's, think who's, who's chatting Bernardo Silver realistically? Yeah, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, if Liverpool win, I'm not chatting very much. <laughs> to quote as a meal that I'm sitting, in, I'm, I'm spending the summer sitting in trees, smiling at passersby. Uh, I, I was debating the other day if we win the league on the last day. Yeah, do you reckon you'll be in the ground to watch them lift it? Yeah, I'm not sure I will be. You think you just go? You'll just get out. There's no beer. That's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, how long does it take? I've, I've it got takes no ages. You got to build that stage. I've got no experience in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. I've got yeah, no experience yeah. in this. I might just get off. You know. I watch it on telly. I'll assume that they'll, they'll box it. They'll lift it. Yeah. I, I'd have to. I mean, I'd have to see how I felt in the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's good that you think about that. So there's an Anfield. <laughs> that, there's an Anfield rap special bet. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, it is Divock Origi to score last. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm that fella. Uh, yeah, they messaged me and went, "What's your list? Anything you fancy?" I said, "You've got to get Divock to score last yeah. six to one for Divock to score the last goal." Not bad with at the all. Bet. Uh, listen, hope he's you got form. He has got form. <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed this little segment. As I always say, if it isn't for you, it isn't for you, and that's absolutely fine. But if it is, do think about this weekend with this risk-free bet going over to Reds Bet. Uh, and thank you very much to John Gibbons, joined by Martin Fitzgerald. Let's have a lovely chat, really. What have you been up to? And what have you got coming up? Uh, what have I been up to? I've been interviewing lawyers live on stage. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been it's a bizarre uh, twist in my career. So I interviewed. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure how it happened to be honest, but I interviewed the lawyer from Staircase, uh, David Rudolph. Staircase is a show that's currently on Netflix. Uh, he defends a man who found his wife dead at the bottom of the stairs. That was good. That was fun. Um, and then off the back of that, I got asked to interview the two two of the lawyers for making a murderer. Yeah. Um, the two that represent Vent and Dassey, and I've just done that in Cardiff and at the Shepherd's Bush Empire in London. So you've been just that. This is this is a whole new sideline for you. It's, it's really an weird. You're of lawyers. Yeah, I've no idea. I mean, what I, I, what I could do with more people being sort of wrongfully convicted. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because uh, it would, uh, you know, I could do it full time then. But um, what happened was the um, the promoter for the staircase shows. It was a man I've never met. You know, I know him on email, and he he he, he sort of put the shows together, got David Rudolph over, and he said, Do "You fancy doing this?" I'm, I was sitting at home at the time, and I'm like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do that." Um, you know, I'm a big fan of staircase. Um, it sort of occurred to me afterwards, why do you, you know, like I've never met him. I've never, and you're sort of putting me in, in charge of these events. But it was fascinating. I mean, both of those cases are really fascinating. It's interesting to me that, you know, you can watch hours and hours and hours of those people on, you know, Netflix for whatever you pay a month, nine ninety nine. They announce the live dates and it's you know, 35, 40 quid and they, and they sell out. You know, and you go there, and obviously I'm not a lawyer. You know, I'm not even a scholarly mind. I'm just a fan of those shows with a bit a curious, I guess, a curious mind. And you go there, and it's a real Netflix crowd. You know, yeah. it's really nice. And despite the fact that 
you know both of the both of the cases in you know involve death it's more fun than you would imagine you know and the, 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 I have to say the lawyers for Brendan Dassey Stephen Drizzen and Laura Nyvider I mean if you watch the show they come across like this but genuinely just the nicest people like really great sense of humor um when we did Shepherd's Bush Stephen was just like you know stoked at the fact that He's big into sort of British classic rock. Yeah. And he was just, he, he was, he couldn't, you know, looking at the posters backstage and, um, yeah, it was good. It was interesting. It was fun. I'd, uh, you know, uh, there'll, there'll be some more dates, I think, next year. So sort of keep a lookout for those. Keep a lookout for those. And you're doing something coming up with Stuart Pierce, which just pleases me yeah. so much. Yeah. I mean, just to add to the sort of diverse portfolio of people <laughs> that I interview. <laughs> Uh, on January the 27th in Nottingham, there's a festival called Beat the Streets, and it's only £6, the cheapest festival. Yep. Yeah, apart from those ones where you just get your face painted and nothing happens. But it, it's £6, and all the uh, profits go to... Sorry, not, not all the profits, all of the money. All the proceeds. All the proceeds is the correct word. Um, You're in the game, come yeah. on. Um and it all goes to an organisation called Framework, which uh, helps the homeless in Nottingham. So they asked me, because they know that I know Stuart, they asked me if I could I could get him along. And so I approached Stuart and I said, well, do you want to do an interview? Uh, but, you know, not about scoring penalties and missing penalties and all that sort of stuff. Let's do an interview about, about your love of music. Because I know, like, Stuart goes to more gigs than anyone I know. And um, like he was on the f- he was on the cover of a Lurkers live album in the middle of Euro '96, having scored that penalty against Spain. He introduces the Sex Pistols on their comeback gig at Finsbury Park to sixty thousand people, which is absolutely mad and a forgotten part of Euro '96 history. With Gareth Southgate next to him, <laughs> um, I was on the phone to him the other day about something, and he said, "I've got to go. I'm just having lunch with the Stranglers." So he has this. Weird world where you almost think being a footballer got in the way of his, of his, you know, just fandom of all of these bands. Um, so we're just going to have an interview in Nottingham, which is, you know, a sort of place that he's obviously very, very well thought of. But it's really going to be about sort of music and his love for that. And it'll be intertwined with football. There'll be stories about how... He used to play, you know, White Riot by The Clash before every, before every Forest game, and just how how does that even work? Like, so if it's like, you know, if you're captain, do you get to choose the song? So who was the captain before, and and what happens after that? And what what was happens, he playing? And you know, what happens when Stuart Pearce is the manager and a captain's got another, just things like that? How does all, all that work? Um, and just some of his stories, he's. He set himself a challenge this year because he, he's sort of known as a as a real sort of punk aficionado, and there is a thing I think that his family thought that you know he only likes bands formed between nineteen seventy six and nineteen seventy eight. So he, he set himself a challenge this year of, of of going to see ten different genres of music um, in two thousand and eighteen live. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well, and some of the unexpected places that he's found himself this year. Excellent. And um, the Hold Steady, which is just like the dream gig. I mean, that's the one I'm most nervous about. Rightly so. Believe it or not. I mean, Shepherd's Bush Empire, you know, 1,000 people, that was one thing. But 
you know, the hold steady after... It's going to be... It's in March, and it's after a screening of the documentary of Positive Rage, which was released just after Stay Positive album, and... You know, they say, they, you know, they say you should never meet your heroes and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's the one that um, you you I, you know want that to go well. I don't, I don't want, to, <laughs> but it should do. I mean, I think it's just going to be uh, a very. Uh, it should be a nice one. That uh, the whole study, the absolute business uh, with Martin and Martin wrote about the whole study in uh, Ruth and Martin's album club, the book, uh, which came from the webpage, uh, which everybody should buy. It's a fantastic Christmas present and quite possibly the best chapter could actually be in a sense, the whole steady one. It's certainly the one which I would probably say has the most of you in it. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think, I think I'm responsible for, for getting uh, about eight people into the whole steady from, from who, 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 you know, read that chapter. Um, and you know, so much. I mean, I'm, I'm saying eight sort of modestly, but you know, when I met Craig Finn from the Hold Steady last year, he had heard of Ruth and Martin's album club because he'd heard of lots of people on social media saying to him that he they'd got into them because of the chapter in that book. Um, and I, I had the book on me. It was it was it was, it was this weird <laughs> of thing. Of course, you did. Well, it was a weird. It was a it was a Sunday lunch with the Hold Steady at the Lexington in London last year, and I was asked to bring the book along because there was going to be a pop quiz and the book was going to be be the prize. And I said to Craig, "Look, you know, I've got the book, and you can have a, you know," and he just took it. He just took, he, I didn't you know I didn't know how to get it back off him. I didn't know how to say. That's meant to be the prize in a pop quiz. So I, I had to go to uh, Waterstones in Islington and, and buy another one. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That would be that would be good. Um, March. Uh, I think this ticket's still on sale at Sea Tickets. I think. Um, and the book itself is still available for people if they want to pick it up over Christmas. Look, uh, if you've got someone in your you know life who likes music and they're worth spending between ten and fourteen pounds on. Um, then you can. That's a, just a very easy gift to get them, um, and you can get it in bookshops and all those, um, you know, Amazon stuff like that. Amazon and stuff like that. Uh, nice to see you. How are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You seem um, good. Yeah, no, I've seen I am. you for ages. Um, I've not been up here, as you know, yeah. uh, for a while, and um, obviously still, you know, following. Uh, football as much as I can. That was hard the other night, the Napoli game, because I had to, in the interval during the talk, you know, I'm on the phone trying to, you know, work out All where the obvious, we were. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'm good. I'm busy and there's a lot going on. Um, and Liverpool are top of the league as well, I talk. Do you want to hang on and talk about Man United with us? Mm, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. All right, Man United. Last season, Liverpool uh, played Leicester at Christmas. They won. Uh, they played Burnley at Christmas. They won. They played Everton in the FA Cup. They won. Uh, and then they played Manchester City and they won by four goals to three. And within that crucible, Liverpool's season was forged. This season, it's felt similar. Uh, the run that Liverpool have been on recently, including the Merseyside derby, has galvanised the team, galvanised the side. 
the key thing about that was that galvanising process brought resilience last season. Hopefully it's brought resilience this season. But the context smell ready of what Liverpool have achieved is absolutely enormous. It's a season that no longer feels like it could go a little bit either way. You're not quite sure. It's a season where they've got out of that group, they've played 16, they've won 13, they've drawn three and now Man United are coming. It's staggering actually. And I go back to November where middle of November, everyone was saying City have this league wrapped up and Pep Guardiola kept telling people, no, in fact, he's been the most dissenting voice about City being, you know, uh, runaway leaders or uh, automatic choice to, to retain their title. And he's kept saying, Liverpool are right there. Liverpool aren't going anywhere. Liverpool are only going to get better. And we can't afford to drop points because if we do, Liverpool will win the league. I don't think people actually foresaw City losing at Chelsea because it's become such a habit to to see them win or at the very least draw when they should have actually won. And so that just changed, I think, the schematics of of everyone's thinking and and not just in terms of how people are viewing Liverpool, but other clubs like Chelsea and Arsenal themselves looking at, at matters and Spurs as well and thinking, you know what, it's not entirely implausible that we can make more of a title race uh, than we already have done. I think what Liverpool have managed to do, which is extraordinary, is not just keep pace, but now be the pace setters without yet hitting their apex. And we've said this all the time, and it's not something we're clinging on to because, you know, we, we want Liverpool to be this, like, absolutely perfect, astounding attacking team and, and great defensive team. It's because the manager said it himself. And one of the quotes I think he he delivered about maybe two weeks ago was he said, until we find our best football, we have to play winning football. We have to win football games. And we've done that until now. And I think that's actually brought out the best in Liverpool. You know, we're, we're speaking about Salah hitting his stride. We're talking about the defence just looking like they're invincible. Um, And all of that, I think, comes out of the fact that Liverpool know, even though they've not been, say, 8 out of 10 yet, they are where they are. You know, a lot of aspects have been um, really, really good. The defensive side of, of matters, the ability to, I think, switch formations and 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 bring in more variety to their play not be that predictable that's all been good but i still think liverpool are only here and they're still going to soar and we always see it with jürgen klopp sides they get better in the second part of of the campaign martin fitzgerald one of the the core things about this is is not you know is one of the things that we have hopefully sort of learned is more patience. And I mean, both on the pitch and off the pitch. You may well need patience against Manchester United. I'm already looking forward to Ashley Young spending three weeks over his first possible throwing, uh, bouncing the ball repeatedly, uh, drying it off, having a little check. Is everyone in position? Bounce the ball again. Move ourselves along. We know that that's what they're going to do. But I think for the first time, we're really in a good place to be able to shrug our shoulders with that, both on and off the pitch, and say, that sound take as long as you like. When the ball comes back in play, we're going to start playing. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, if you can expect those things and you know they're going to happen, then it shouldn't bother you so much if it's if it, if it was a surprise. So I think I think it's a test this game. He'll be determined, Mourinho, to prove a point and maybe to even earn a point. But 
I think you just have to play the game and not the team. Um, we have a much better side than them. We were at home. Um, we got a lot of momentum. You know, it should be um, a fairly straightforward game, I think, if we play it properly. Um, we've only conceded six goals in the league. We've won the league 18 times, and in none of those times have we had a better start than this. If you can't go into this game with a degree of confidence and see it as a a 96 minute game that you're going to you're going to win you're going to get there forget everything else the drama and the history of the two clubs just play the game form book goes out the window is the cliche Mo and I disagree with the cliche if you look at Liverpool versus Manchester United uh, games from I think you can go back 12-13 years maybe from the arrival of Benitez on the whole, the seasons where we've took points off Manchester United, we've been better at the Manchester United of football and the league table has demonstrated that we're if not in if not better than them in their class. Mm-hmm. Last season we don't take much off them, we look much the muchness against them. It's worth remembering they finished second, we finished fourth. The season before they finished sixth, we finished fourth. Right now we played uh, sixteen games and we're sixteen points clear of them. This is a real, you know, the form book should not go out the window, and if it doesn't, Liverpool should, if not cruise to victory, have to work very, very hard for victory. But victory is there for this Liverpool side. Definitely. And when you consider as well the tactics that they've used to get draws the last two seasons, well, they've used exactly the same tactics the last two seasons. So by the time the third time we face them, we should be better equipped at dealing with it. I think we've got a team that's better equipped at dealing with it as well. And you're right. I mean, when you look at it on the face of it, if you take away the Manchester Unitedness of it and you just look at them as Team A, no one's fearing that team. Everyone knows that we should be better than them. We're better than them 1-11 to 11 now that we've got Alisson in. And so you think about it and think, how much is the Man Unitedness going to play a part? They will raise their game against us. They will have specific plans to try and do what against what we do. But as we've already discussed on this show, our decision-making is better, our problem-solving is better. And I think our form is now of the such that says, like you say, you can do what you want, man. Like, you can waste time, you can sit deep, you can try an aerial bombardment. We've got enough to deal with it. And that assurance is going to be... I think it's going to be important, Joel. And I think, again, it's going to be important on and off the pitch. I think that Anfield... Anfield, I think, is is a place that's getting better at patience right the way across the board. It's what we're going to have to show. Absolutely, because you can pretty much guess what their game plan is going to be. As we mentioned here already, it, we can, you know, that's not going to be no shock at all. Now, um, we are going to have to deal. It's not going to be a high tempo. We're not going to come out the blocks, and we are going to have to just bide our time. As one surprise, the goal doesn't come until 60, 70, 80. Now, the thing is, this year, I've been in a fortunate position where I work in office where it's 95% Manchester United fans and it's been a, a lot of fun because <laughs> they go home and away and I, I, I've been gauged on to how they've been feeling and they've just absolutely given up there's a lot of them who, who aren't going to the game anymore because they, they've just found out of love the club but also the way they play and also the manager but they won't actually admit that they want the manager to go because they're stubborn which not surprising but the thing is it reminds me a lot of how we felt, how how we we've been we've been through these kind of feelings in the past, uh, with some of the managers that we've had and some of the way we've been playing football, and we've been finishing sixth, seventh, and eighth, but feel that we should be higher because we're Liverpool. Now the thing is, Manchester United are in that position now. They are a sixth, seventh, eighth place team. There's a reason why 
there's a reason that last week if they lost, they couldn't end up in eleven position. They're not Manchester United or Manchester United at all. They are a sixth place team at this moment. They've gone behind Martin in ten of their last fifteen, and that also includes those last fifteen includes the nil nil at home against Palace. I would say that though. As is, you know, against the sides who have their attributes, who if we did treat them like any other side, we would say, well, they're quite good at this and they're quite good at this. We do have to ensure that 10 of the last 15 does become 11 from 16, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think looking at this game, the first goal, you could argue is crucial. You know, you'd certainly want that to be us that scored that, not just for the obvious reason that you go 1-0 up, but you think that will play into our hands and you think, well, if they score first then it's just going to solidify the plan that they're already coming with. So it's heartening to see that they've gone behind so many times. Um, I don't look at their, their you know, defence goalkeeper aside and, you know, look at a bunch of stars there, really. Um, I think somehow or other we just need to, um, you know, kind of work ourselves in positions where, where you know, we're going to get that goal and... and that could come from a full-back, it, 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 it could come from a centre-half, could come from midfield, could, could, it, you know, could come from anywhere. I think the key thing for us is, for the first time that I can remember for, for quite a while, we're on this run at the moment where, even if it objectively looks like it's not going particularly well on the pitch, we've had these degrees of luck... Um, whether it's, you know, luck and genius. So you've had things like the Sturridge goal at Chelsea, obviously the, you know, winner in the derby, the save the other night. And I and I I think football players are human and they just have this thing where, where, you know, going through the game, they have that within their kind of memory bank and it reassures them in a way that United don't have that at the moment. And like the you know United teams of old when you're watching those those teams you just think they'll find a way and I think that what Liverpool have done so many times this season is just to find a way um, they're going to have to find a way to put a defence out uh, Mel it looks like uh, Alexander-Arnold won't be available uh, Matip definitely won't be available uh, Dejan Lovren um, may have some sort of emergency or another that's never completely specified uh, but probably will be available and so you can expect him to play centre-half the short-term fix is probably James Milner um, whether or not that works as a, as a longer-term fix if this problem goes on with Gomez and Alexander-Arnold for a few weeks is, is, is debatable to be honest with you but you surely expect Milner to start right back on Sunday yeah uh, I think that's the the most considered option um, you've also got Fabino who's capable of playing there or even filling in at centre back uh, which is the other the route he could go it's interesting because we always fear this most especially for the defence because we know all about Matip and, and Lovren's issues of not being able to be fully fit for a full season or even three quarters of a season. Often with, you know, Matip's got a serious injury now, the broken collarbone, but usually it's, you know, something so small, especially in, in Lovren's case, you know, sometimes missing with illness uh, so often. And the thing with injuries are you can have five injuries, but they could be, you know, spread and so you don't really feel them that much. But when your injuries are all happening in one department, it's it's a massive, massive issue. Um, the, with Virgil van Dijk and 
Alison, though, there's the sense That's all you of need. That's yeah. all you need. <laughs> there is there is the sense <laughs> of absolute calm <laughs> and surety, regardless of of what really happens at the back. And I think that's really important because reference points in the dressing rooms, and and we've heard players speak about this before. You know, you you'd hear Steven Gerrard talk about looking across the dressing room, seeing Luis Suarez is there, and knowing that whatever happens in this game, because we've got him we have a superb chance to win. I think it's the same with Van Dijk and, and Alisson now. Um, we're talking about United and approaching this game and what they've been is obstructive and, you know, using things like time-wasting, which to nullify a rapid, all-gung-ho all Liverpool side is very clever, but this Liverpool side can be measured they can be patient. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of look to circumvent that because I think Liverpool now have, as we said earlier, a lot more variety and a lot more um, confidence in doing different things. They don't always have to be uh, the, the attacking juggernaut. And they can still be high intensity, but high intensity without, you know, having to absolutely decimate a team. You, you could even make the argument that this doesn't even really weaken us, because if Alexander-Arnold was playing, they would undoubtedly target him like they did at the, the, the game at Old Trafford last year. No doubt at all. I don't think they're going to do that in the same way to Milner. Um, and if there's a perception that our defence is, is which, which there shouldn't be, but the, but the defence that we put out on Sunday is some kind of second string uh, defence. If that gives United more licence to try and be progressive and try and attack us, well, again, I think that's a good thing. So I'm not bothered by it. I don't, I don't see that that weakens us at all, really. Um, pick me a team, Mo. Uh, <laughs> you're going with Milner at right back, you're going with Lovren at centre-half, the other people in the room have decided. Uh, does that this mean you're going with 4-3-3, or does this mean you're looking at Chikiri? Well... I would have agreed with those two, whether you maybe do it or not. So uh, <laughs> that's that's handy. Um, particularly Milner, because I think delivery from wide is going to be key. Um, it was something that was really good about the Napoli performance. Both Trent and Robbo were right on it, and Milner does offer that better than Fabinho. In the middle, I would be tempted. I mean, I think Genie has is a given in my book. I think personally with it being the game that it is and with the way they played second half I would keep Henson in as well I would look to go for Naby Keita and then keep the front three as the front three and leave Shakiri as a floating option for potentially later in the game You're nodding a lot Joel Yes I completely agree that 11 yeah I, don't, I, I think it's a perfect game for Keita as well actually and I'm going off Henderson's second half performance why not plus I like this idea that Milner's coming to train yesterday uh, walks across the pitch and clops there his little smile he does and goes what are you doing for Christmas lad you're playing right back you know? <laughs> doing a lot of short seasons <laughs> you're getting up and down call the best um, same team yeah, pretty much. Um, just depending on, on how much got taken out of that midfield from, from the Napoli game, I, I wonder whether he would decide to go Genie and, and Fabino, um, since he has used that double, double pivot to, to good effect. I wouldn't mind if it's Fabino or Henderson, really. I, I think only when you see this 
the shape of the game and how it's panning out can you then decide which is the the correct balance to use but but as long as there's an attacking threat and like i said actually genie winaldum showed that he can be that progressive force as well if if needs be so i'm just very confident that liverpool are very confident in themselves um to and i think more than any it's this game they want to result in because they just haven't had it yet yeah Prediction? Um, I think we're going to win 2 0. 2 0. Martin Fitzgerald. Uh, Joel? I'm going to go 1 0. It's going to be a horrible last 10, maybe, but 1 0. 1 0. I'm going to go with Martin. I think 2 0. I think it'll be a result that we look back on and think is comfortable, even though in the game it might end up <laughs> feeling tenser than it should do. I don't like giving goals against uh, no, Allison. No, I don't like giving goals against Allison. So I'm also going to go with 2-0 just because I think he's, he's probably going to keep another clean sheet. Uh, excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed uh, to uh, Andy Kelly, Emil Heskey and here in front of me right now to Martin Fitzgerald, Mel Reddy, Mo Stewart and Joel Sanderson-Murray. It's been your weekend at Liverpool head off to face Manchester United at Anfield on Sunday. We're the ones who have played 16, won 13, drawn three, and we're the ones who got out of our Champions League group with Paris Saint-Germain and Napoli. We're the ones who are the fourth best team to start a league season since not the war, since not Shankly, since not 1992, but since they started playing fucking association football in this country. Uh, that's how far back that is, and that's how good a start it is. The Reds should walk into Anfield certain that it's their gaff and their manner. Sports Social Podcast Network.